episode with us and we talked about child defilement and in this episode we're just continuing the last part so um Elsie, can you please remind us again in what institution you were working welcome hello uh, my name is Elsie Manga and I'm really honored to be with you here today uh, previously I, I wouldn't say I've worked with, but I've been involved with uh, organizations, different organizations. But uh, for a very long time, I was involved with St. Catherine's Sega Children's Home, which also acts as a rescue center. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, for this episode, I actually wanted us to go a bit deeper um, in child development cases and uh, just to find out how much the awareness is out here and um, how much we still need to do in order to create the awareness. And I was just wondering, Elsie, in your institution, how many children defilement cases were reported during your time? Child defilement cases is very rampant, for example, in Kenya, because in this institution, for the time that I was there, every two weeks there was a child who was defiled and was brought in to be kept away from the perpetrator for some reasons. And uh, that's a very high number depending because not all children who are defiled are being brought to us. But every two weeks there was a new child who was being defiled. So I would say like uh, the cases, the rates are really like high and there's so much going on with defilement in rural areas. What were the kind of the exact ages of these children involved? Surprisingly enough, most of them are 14 years old and below. Nine years old, 10 years old. And there's only one time we had a girl who was 16 years old. But most of the time there's nine years old, eight years old below 14 years old. And you were saying that um, the child defilement cases are really increasing. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering how to interpret this in the modern society. It's really hard to combine it with the modern society. I think it's more about the mentality of, of the perpetrators, especially in rural areas, because they're not informed and they don't know the consequences and how this actually affects the children. It's more of arrogance and lack of knowledge, if you ask me. Okay, that's really interesting because I had a question from one of our audience in Instagram mm-hmm. and she was actually asking about um, what goes in the minds of the perpetrators when they're defiling children or when they go to such acts. And actually, this explains more your point when you say that they really don't know what they're doing in that sense that they're unaware they're unaware of of, of course they know the act they're doing but they don't know the consequences of what they're doing and perpetrators uh, for example it can be uh, from a point of ownership because there are many fathers nowadays who defile their children 
and they defile them for a point they feel like they own the children the children belong to them and also at the point of power because they see there's nothing that can be done no one can scare them there's no like there are no consequences for them they feel so powerful and that's why like they do it because they know okay what can you do to me there's nothing you can do to me that's where they find their power so it's mostly that from power and ignorance and also the point of ownership because most children who are defiled they're always defiled by the family members so yeah that's really surprising like to note that um, most of the time actually children are being defiled by family members were there any convictions and how long did it take to get like one convicted through a court of law uh, court cases depends on uh, who is who is uh, pushing it forward it also depends to the family of the child of the child where the child is coming from for example if the child and also another factor is like how many people know about the case for example if, if the child is coming from a very poor background and uh, he or she was defiled by a family member most cases they will try and hide it and sometimes there are like another party a witness who comes in and say like okay this child this happened to the child and we have to get justice for the child and the witness is not willing to put much effort he's just oh she's doing it because she feel like this is the right thing to do but most cases they don't put the right effort and uh, in courts and this one I'm talking with mentality from Kenya because in Kenya you have to have a strong forward like a strong person to push your case so that it can be heard and they can make judgments so um, the question of how many convictions are made successfully is really relative it depends on the family and the background and also how many people knows about the case and uh, some cases where the organizations are on, involved like um, child welfare organizations these cases are always seen to the very last minute and the perpetrators are always convicted for sure but if it's not it also it just depends with the family and people involved people who are aware so that's a very relative question to answer i think when it comes to the conviction of cases and uh, you talked about how many people it depends on how many people are aware of the case and all that and that can apply worldwide like the more people that are involved yeah in a case yeah the faster maybe yeah because people will push it people will talk about it the court will feel obligated to see it through yeah but when it's lucky i mean no one no one really not that no one really cares but i'm gonna say this in quotes no one really cares so how did the children who were being defined behave in the institution were there any signs or things that you could see that you could tell that there was something wrong uh for me it was like so strange to watch them because uh, i'm gonna give example of a child i really got attached to in this institution 
So she was defiled by her uncle. And uh, how old was she? Sorry. She was seven years old. She's seven years old. <laughs> so uh, she was a very happy child. Whenever I came to work, she could always run towards me and say hello. She could cheer up her fellow children, you know. And then when the uncle defiled her, she got infected by HIV AIDS because no one really took care of her. And every day she would come for ARVs from me. She was just really happy, you know. And a lot of times I wondered if she knew exactly what happened to her. Because for her, she felt safe at the institution. She was very happy and jovial, and uh, this medicine she was taking didn't like make her feel anything. It was just like a routine for her. And every time she came for her ARVs, I could wonder if she really knew what was going on. And most of children are like that, she was being defied. It's like nothing happened. They just know, okay, this happened and there's a court going on. We've been committed to this institution. We have to stay here. And at the end of the day, we have to go to the court and say it will say what happened, what happened. So it's like they don't really come in contact with the real situation. They, they move forward. They deal with the things that are happening right then around them. And when the, it's the next day, they don't think about yesterday, you know. So I think many children just like deal like that. But I think medically, this is where we come to um, when the children go grow into adult, mm-hmm. that they have uh, post trauma and like the things that they experienced, maybe at seven years old, they were not able um, to work. I can't even use the word work them out, but. The things they experience if they grow up, that's when uh, they start experiencing all all the things and um, they end up being either depressed, mentally unstable, and uh, yeah. How are the children affected actually, socially or emotionally? At the moment, like when it just happens, they feel the pain and they'll come to you and they'll tell you, I felt this pain. But there is no strong connection with their emotions and what actually happened. That just as you have said, that's why they grow, they grow into post-traumatic stress disorder. Because when you're young, every day is a new day. You just live in the moment. You play, you go to class, you say, you do what you are required to do. And then when you grow up, is when you deal with this. Because when you grow up, you have more understanding and you know okay this has happened to me and this is how it was and most of the times all the time you'll feel bad about it but when you're young you just feel bad when it happened you feel the pain you don't relate you don't you're not knowledge you're not informed about this this is new and okay it was painful and it's sort of actually it's embarrassing you don't want people to know about it but that's it. The next day is a new day and most children just move on. Unless they sat down and they explain to exactly what happened, the impact and 
they're helped how to go through it, how to deal with it. But if this information is not given to them, they live as if they're not affected at all. It's always surprising uh, every time we speak about this topic. And like I was just wondering, Elsie, if in during this time that you were working in this institution, were you also involved in uh, dissemination of messages against child defilement to get a stop of this act? Uh, that wasn't part of my duty, sorry to say that, but uh, in our institution we did a lot of case studies on children who are defiled. We could go to the home area, study the people around and uh, what could have possibly lead to this situation is it ignorance of the parents and if the home was actually safe for the child to return to. That's the only thing we did and I think in this process we could talk to people about defilement and that's also another way of making them aware that this is happening and it's not good. And how are like, uh, how are, like the results like with your experience after doing all these case studies, were they, uh, were they a bit knowledgeable or how... Was it that many people knew what was going on, that, man, uh, that you only needed to add on more information, or you were starting at zero? Because this is always important to know where people are, then you yeah. can build up from there. Yeah, actually, surprising enough, <laughs> people don't know this is happening. And even the people who are very close to the victim, like, they're sort of surprised this is happening. I think most people, especially in rural area, they, they're not informed about child defilement. And they do it, as I said earlier, because of ignorance, ownership, power. And also there's a factor of child pornography that also accelerates defilement cases among children. So yeah, but like it felt nice to inform them so that they are aware and they also are more careful with their children, you know, to just let them know this can happen, this is dangerous, that it was informative, yeah. That's quite good, but um, like personally, I wouldn't really uh, like just blame, uh, not blame, but uh, point out the people living in rural areas mm-hmm. to be unaware of um, child defilement because I think maybe if I look back the last three months or even six months, mm-hmm. I live in Germany. I've never seen a poster somewhere. Oh yeah. I've never seen like anything going on that somebody's saying you know what this is happening this is an awareness any flyers anywhere uh, like the last six months where I stay where I move to work and back I've never seen such things so I think we should think of like um, other ways in which we can actually uh, which other ways can be effective on spreading the awareness Apart from those rural visits, for example, like, do you have any other ideas? Um, I think nowadays so many people are into digital ways of receiving information and that's the way to go because so many people are afflicted to 
digitally and like social medias so by making maybe making videos and share them sharing them to make aware of child development or even just posters or writing stories about it just to let people know that the world knows this is there and the world is watching you know you are more cautious if you know like okay other people know this is a thing that is out there like you wouldn't want to do it because you know it's out there and people are watching so i think social media can be a best way to do it and just to add on apart from just this awareness of knowing that it's happening mm-hmm. um i think it will be also important like uh, to put out ways in which it can be stopped yeah. because sometimes uh, one might know what's happening mm-hmm. but they're tied up you remember our last episode mm-hmm. when we were talking about um like the social status deciding on what to say and mm-hmm. what not to say being mm-hmm. afraid uh, when i say something uh, will i go back home to my husband will yeah. i go back home to my wife so i think just creating a platform whereby there is all this awareness and also what to do and where to get help mm-hmm. would be really important as you said and yeah, Elsie, I want to thank you so much for uh, this episode today and I would ask you if you have anything to add on to the theme of today and to sum up what we've talked about today. Oh, thank you too for inviting me and the only thing I can say is um, uh, if you have a child around you, another way to stop this or another way to make sure like when it happens you get to know is by being friends with the children around you because some child development cases goes for years without being noticed you know and sometimes your child may be defiled and you'll never know about it like forever but when we are friends not just a guardian just a parent or an auntie you get to know because like when you connect with the child, the child will be able to come to you and tell you this happened to me. So it's really important to give children a very neutral space of expression. Like make them feel comfortable around you so that they can be able to tell you whatever and whenever anything happens to them. Even if it's just a suggestion before it happens, you can be able to stop it. So I think that's all for me today and thank you so much for having me. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, And we will sum up our episode today with that. And we said, stop it. Stop child defilement. Stop it. This is health as well.